So hi guys, welcome back to Visible and Visuals and you're here with us to continue the conversation of diversity and inclusion in the animation industry. So today's panel is going to be um, the perspective of the LGBTQ plus community and um, we're here with Ash who will be hosting and uh, moderating this panel and um, let's get Ash to introduce himself and um, just a quick, why do you think that this panel is important? So yeah, um, thank you for introducing me. Uh, my name is Ash and uh, in this discussion, I will be going by AJ because we will have another Ash in the panel just to make things a bit more clearer. So um, Tanya asked me if I'd be interested in putting together this panel because I know there are a lot of young LGBTQ slash queer people hoping to work in animation in the UK, but there's a distinct lack of resources out there about what that's like. And um, I get a lot of emails from students asking me about my experiences and I empathize completely because I was terrified to come out at work. Uh, even though I'd been working in the animation industry for around three years, um, I hadn't met a single other trans person working in London. So it was really isolating and it meant that when I came out, I was also having to educate my colleagues at the same time. I think just because we're seeing more LGBTQ characters in animation, people think that the industry itself must be an extremely welcoming place for LGBTQ professionals, but that isn't always the case. So I'm hoping that by putting a spotlight on the issues faced by these very talented panelists, who are all from a range of disciplines, from like animator to a showrunner, um, we can make it clear how much needs to be improved in order to make our industry a more welcoming place for LGBTQ professionals. So that's why I'm here. And we'll continue on. Hello everyone, welcome to our LGBTQ panel by Visible and Visuals. My name is Ash, though in this discussion I will be going by AJ since we have another Ash among us. I use he, him pronouns and I'm a transgender man. I currently work at Blinking on the show called Dead India as a storyboard revisionist. Hey, um, I'm Ash, I'm 26. I go by they, them pronouns. I'm pansexual, non-binary. Um, yeah, I've been in the industry for about, coming up to four years as a 3D animator. Um, I'm currently working at NPC Episodic. Hi, my name is Kat. Um, I use they, them pronouns. Um, I'm a character animator currently working at Jellyfish Pictures, but I've worked in the industry for, I think, it's coming up to eight years now, which is terrifying. Um, but I graduated in 2013 from the Arts University Bournemouth, um, which I believe is the same as AJ. Um, and I've just been working, kind of jumping from studio to studio ever since. Uh, I'm Hamish, I'm AJ's boss, technically, <laughs> but that's not the reason I'm here. Um, I am gay, I'm 30, I go by he, him pronouns, um, and I'm the creator showrunner of Dead Endia, which um, is the end product of about 10 years of developing different shows in the industry. Comes out on Netflix next year. Uh, hi, I'm Nathan. I go by he, him pronouns, uh, bisexual. Uh, I work at Alpha Blocks, uh, which uh, creates shows Alpha Blocks and Number Blocks uh, for Blue Zoo, um, or with Blue Zoo, rather. Uh, and so I work there as the creative brand manager, so I manage a lot of like, the design work and marketing. Um, and prior to that, I worked at Disney uh, as a, a creative producer and then a designer. 
uh, both uh, as my day job and then also for the Pride and Diversity Groups. Um, and so something I've been mindful of in this role is just to be creating things like gender-neutral products, uh, especially around clothing and in the trade and licensee world. And so that's kind of my contribution to the site at the moment. Great, thanks, guys. So um, first, we're going to start with a question about your experience of being LGBTQ in the animation industry. How open can you be and how accepting have people been? Uh, who would like to start? Ash? Hey, so I think, so I've kind of got two experiences to talk about, one being kind of gay and one being um, genderqueer, because I think they were two different experiences I've had. Um, being gay or pansexual, bisexual, um, very fluid throughout the time I've been there. <laughs> um, I felt, I didn't find as many issues to be honest. I felt like it, the industry is very welcoming for most sexualities. And I think um, when I was identifying as a woman at the time, um, you find a lot of other gay bisexual women in industry so I never felt alone in that aspect and it was never something I felt judged for either or it never came up as the negative thing I've never come across anyone that's been homophobic or you know judgmental for me in that aspect um so that's been I've had a pretty good experience in terms of sexuality um gender wise um it's been slightly different because I think as as the as women are kind of a minority in the industry, when you step into an office where you are you are seen as a minority woman, it's harder to stand out as non-binary or be seen as non-binary because you instantly are kind of pegged as oh, there's the only woman in the office. So I think it's a lot harder to um, yeah to kind of assert yourself as someone that's genderqueer instead of the woman in the office um so that's been a bit of a bit harder to assert myself there but generally it's when you do kind of open up to people and tell them oh by the way I go by they them and I don't identify as a woman I generally get good responses people are generally nice um but I think it's definitely harder to come out as that from the get-go as opposed to maybe coming out as gay or bi or you know however you identify yeah that's that's um it's good to hear that you found so many other people in the industry who you can relate to but I completely understand when it comes to um gender stuff like being trans uh I came out like a couple years into my career and it was quite hard because of being very visibly trans you know asking to go by he him pronouns but um I hadn't started uh, hormones or anything and I found it quite isolating I don't know about you but um it was something that um you know it wasn't it was easy to find other trans people and, and if there are the, were other trans people I could also understand why they wouldn't necessarily want to be um open about about it they might just want to keep it quiet um Ash um yeah I think something that could be improved in industry is we usually have someone dedicated that you can go and talk to about issues um anything in your personal life but I think it would be really good if we had a dedicated queer person that you could go to because I think a lot of queer people have issues that maybe 
you know are related to their queerness in their personal life that might be affecting work and might not feel as comfortable going to someone that they are unaware of how they identify or if they're you know if they're going to be open or comfortable talking about these queer issues and I think it would be really really good just to have a dedicated queer person that you can go to knowing that you're not going to be judged that they probably will understand you a bit more and know where you're coming from. Um, Nathan? Uh, yeah so so I kind of I started out like many people did as an intern and so like that was my very first job in the industry I think jobs like that can be very uh, intimidating because a lot of the work is for these big companies and um, yeah I think that was very much the case for me and so I was in the mindset of kind of do whatever you need to succeed, like even kill if you have to, no, don't, don't kill. <laughs> but like, um, but like, you know, like make friends with everyone and be that really nice guy and work really hard and do all those things. And so I came in with that sort of attitude. And then first day we had a brainstorm and someone had this rubbish idea and it was described as being gay. And I was like, and I'm not someone who gets offended easily. And I've been told like way worse things outside the industry. So it wasn't that specific comment that offended me, but it was just, it put me in this mindset of, okay, well, if I'm trying to be friends with everyone, this is not going to be the place to come out. And this isn't the place where those discussions are welcome. And so I kind of spent a year hiding who I was and luckily I'm bi, so it wasn't as, um, as difficult to me. I mean, there is a point of privilege uh, that I acknowledge uh, on my side for that. But um, yeah, so I kind of went my whole year like that, finished uni, uh, so I finished my internship, went back to uni, finished uni, and then came back uh, to the same company. And I like just knew that I couldn't hide it. And I had to make my stamp there. And I got involved in the Pride group. And I was very much uh, out and uh, discussed it and everyone was actually really really welcoming and I think it's just for me like kind of my my mission now is just to make sure that I I can empower other people to feel confident that when they join especially at those younger ages of those lower levels that they feel empowered to be able to just come out and be who they are from the get-go because once I did it was fine there were no issues but it was that fear of um yeah of judgment um so yeah Thanks. Hamish? I think um, it ring, that sort of rings true to me in the sense that I feel when you're out and you're clear, um, the industry is pretty accepting. But when people think there's no LGBT people in the room, um, they can sometimes um, show their true colours. And I think there's lots of microaggressions that come with just especially working in kids animation, I find um, when it comes to just like the types of jokes you hear pitched or the types of like where the humor is coming from with certain character designs, you see a lot of like, I find myself constantly kind of um, being the no fun allowed, like police coming in to say like, I don't know that character design reads is kind of like transphobic or that like joke in that script feels like it's playing off like, you know, homophobic sort of sort of stereotypes. Um, and often it's it, people don't know they're really doing it and they are kind of repeating things they've said at other studios. And so usually you get quite a lot of apologies <laughs> if you bring these kinds of things up. But um, I think that's possibly just true of the world, maybe not necessarily the specific industry. But um, I know something I've struggled with um, 
I think it's really important to talk about the experience off screen because I think a lot of the time when uh, these sort of panels happen, a lot of the discussion is exclusively the kind of representation on the screen. But that said, um, I've never necessarily found people are like directly homophobic to me, but there's definitely been times when I've been trying to pitch shows or pitch ideas or pitch things to characters. And I realize I'm in an environment where they accept me, but they think I'm inappropriate to be like seen on the screen or inappropriate to be featured in the show that I'm making. Um, and there's definitely been times when I've been made to feel through like meetings that I'm like unsafe for children's eyes or like, and it just makes you feel really, really disgusting. And they don't really know they're doing it. They're just like talking about, well, we're just talking about the characters in the show and, you know, foreign markets and they scapegoat it to all these kinds of things, but it just makes you feel like crap, I think sometimes. Yeah, before we, before we move on to the next question, Kat, did you want to add anything else to, um, to the first question? Um, only to really say that I, I kind of really agree with what both Ash and Hamish and also what Nathan was talking about, where like you, if you're openly out, you don't really experience much homophobia. And especially me personally, like I look the way I do. It's kind of, you know, I think that that kind of, I present myself as a person who looks quite queer. And so I do sometimes wonder if people kind of, even without me needing to say, will kind of assume that I am queer and therefore they may kind of censor themselves around me because of that. Um, whereas like Hamish was saying, um, it's, a, it's a conversation that I've had with my girlfriend before because she kind of passes as a straight person. So sometimes she'll be in a room where she's not out and people will say comments not realizing that there's a queer person in the room and then she has to kind of put her hand up and be like oh actually that's not okay to say whereas I do sometimes wonder if because people see me they just kind of won't say that stuff even if they're kind of thinking it or feeling it um but generally it generally it seems fine in this industry um I would say that there are sometimes just generational kind of conversations that happen or little little comments that happen um, where like older members of the team may not realize that it's not okay to say those things. Um, and the kind of younger team members have to kind of keep them on their toes basically and just say like, look, that's not okay anymore. You kind of have to keep up with the times in a way. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I really wanted to add. Hamish. I was just going to say, I mean, I, I, get that too i remember a very excruciating moment on a project where an older member of the team went on this like very loud rant about the fact we kind of had gender neutral toilets and like it was in the earshot of loads of people like on their first day and it made me feel like so embarrassed um what i was actually going to just uh add to is that <laughs> i don't know about you guys but sometimes i like every time i say my husband it's kind of strategic and or like often in my first like day or first meeting with people, I'll like say something that can't be read any other way, like or like drop into conversation just to kind of get that out of the way through kind of like a harmless ripping off of the band-aid, like, okay, you're dealing with a an actual homosexual now, like off the telly. So think about what you say. Um, 
It was a bit depressing to know that some people, like, as soon as they don't realize they're in earshot, they say all kinds of stuff, but, like, it is quite a good way. And, like, I think Nathan was saying, um, sort of, like, sends a signal to other people who might not be saying that, not might not be coming out or be open, that, like, it's all okay. Nathan? Oh, you're on mute. Yeah. I think it just kind of comes from... Um like people kind of that pressure that I felt as an intern, like that never fully goes away. You still want to kind of be the nice guy and you want to be friends with it. And I think sometimes people do things or say things not because they even necessarily feel that way, but they're trying to um, kind of, yeah, make that other person laugh or something like that. And it's a cyclical thing, but just to touch on what Hamish said. So when I started this new job, I started it in lockdown and um, I was staying at my parents to start with and I would just say my partner. And then when I did finally move back home, it was just one of those nice moments of just like, oh, but he's not, it's a male. It's not, it's not a female. And so, um, but yeah, and the response actually, they were surprised, but not because, kind of by intent, because I had set it up that way. So, but the response was always great. And I think um, I like to have fun with that. I always like to kind of try and surprise it on people and see how they react, but not necessarily one I would recommend. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Um, I yeah, I also always use like gender neutral gender neutral pronouns when referring to my boyfriend or partner. I would typically say partner, um, but yeah, I think as well. Like since um, since I transitioned, it has become something I'm more wary of. Like when I when I speak about it, I think when I meet people, I think they usually assume that I'll say like my girlfriend. But um, so it's been quite interesting to go from one one assumption to the other like before I transitioned they'd assume I'd have a boyfriend and then after I transitioned they'd assume you know they that was a heterosexual guy uh but yeah thank you guys that was all really um really valuable and I think it's it's so clearly um important especially seeing as a lot of people think that now that we have more LGBTQ characters animation that the industry itself is completely accepting and it's, it's good to know that there are people out there who are accepting, of course, it's brilliant. But I think um, I think uh, there's still room for improvement. And that brings us nicely onto our next question, which is what do you think specifically needs to improve and what can studios do to improve? Obviously it's a big topic and it's a big question, but um, are there any suggestions that you would have? Ash? Um, my biggest suggestion for improvement would be based around pronouns and just making it more the forefront of introducing people and you know making it very clear and aware for everyone in the studio what everyone else's pronouns are and what they decide to go by because but I, th I think this is a this is a society problem as well as just this industry um where I feel like I feel like we should all be normalizing asking someone their pronouns along with their name because it's just as important, it's just as basic almost. Um, and sometimes it can be hard to to set them for your team if you've not been introduced that way. So I think it's I think an improvement would be to yeah make sure that they're on whenever you have like a system where you can look up people in the, in your workplace. It's always got their pronouns there. And even if you, even if you're cis like have your pronouns as he, him, she, her. So it makes it normal and easy for everyone else that maybe doesn't identify that way 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I can completely relate to that, um, especially when I was first coming out and I jump around a lot of different studios and I'm guessing that you've had a similar experience of you go to a new place and you have to kind of re come out over and over again. And it's difficult because sometimes you don't know how far that's been communicated when you you've told say a producer that that I go by like in my case, he, him pronouns. Uh, you don't know who has, has had that information related to them and who hasn't. So I think that's a really good idea. Something like that, that people can constantly refer to on a team. Um, Sounds like a really good idea. Do we like to, uh, yeah, Ash, like to add anything else to that point? Yeah, I was just going to say um, where, like, I think I can, I pass quite a lot of time as she, her, because I have, I mean, it's tied up right now, but I have really long hair. <laughs> and um, I think people look at me and will be like, oh, they must go by she, she, her. And so it's kind of, yeah, it's not obvious, maybe in my case. And a lot of other people's cases, it won't be obvious. Um, I think assuming anything about anyone is kind of the problem at the root of it. <laughs> um, it's all about, okay, don't assume anything, just ask. Ask everyone what they go by. <laughs> hey, Mish. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to speak on behalf of non-binary people, but I also, from the experience I have with some non-binary friends, they're sometimes scared to mention they them pronouns because it's not just I go by they them pronouns it's sometimes yeah it's having to explain the concept to some people or like it's kind of opening you up for a kind of fight about grammar which is fruitless and I think if it's more of a company-wide thing that like is not the onus isn't on the individual having to like defend their existence every time they just want to like talk to someone um, if it's written in the kind of company policies, it can be feel a lot more protected and you have a lot more backing behind you. Yeah, I definitely think that's really important to know that the studio itself has has your back. Um, Kat, would you like to add to that? Yeah, I think um, the one thing that I've noticed a lot recently is that I think companies are really doing like hiring drives to kind of hire more diverse teams. But what isn't actually happening, and I think the companies could improve on, is uh, to sort of give their current and existing team members a bit more training and a bit more like knowledge and understanding about what that means if you do have a diverse and inclusive team, um, which I think includes, yeah, like Ash was saying, like teaching them about pronoun uses and teaching them about like bias and how that can potentially play into things for example like I think um, a big problem that still happens that the kind of senior members of teams are still very much male at least in my experience um, and I think it takes like a conscious effort on the behalf of the people hiring and the people promoting to change that um, it's not just a case of you know just looking at the best people on your team and hiring the person that you potentially like associate with most. If you're like a male who's in a hiring position, you kind of have to think whether that is actually the best person for the role and whether it's also the best person for the overall team. Because I find that a lot of times when you do have very uh, uh, male senior members of the team, the whole team kind of suffers as a result. 
like I've been on teams where it's very diverse and everyone benefits when it's like that. Even, even the guys on the team feel so much better and so much more like welcomed. Um, so I'd really like to see companies kind of learning more about that and actually like doing things to kind of keep their like diverse members of staff in the studio. Um, yeah. Hey, Mish. Sorry, I just wanted to say, I feel um, I've seen this happen where I, I, I do think an answer to a lot of problems is just like diversifying the kind of crew. Um, but I've definitely become slightly nervous of um, the word diversity when coming from certain mouths because um, I've seen people hiring just to look good or just because they think they have to and um, treating it much more like uh, collecting, like, well, we've got one of those and one of those, one of those. And um, I've seen it happen where I've like pushed for diversity in very specific ways and like, because I know it will make the project better and I know that there's talent out there that like are not getting the, the opportunities. And I've seen these kind of uh, cis male, straight, white executives, people see kind of in real time, like, oh, I think I actually get what you meant about diversity. It wasn't to make us look good and be, you know, it was because it actually makes the show better. It actually makes the stories better. It makes the environment much more welcoming. Um, and so I think I only just get nervous when I see, I've, I was pitching a show once, it was a bunch of like white cis people pitching a show. I was one of them. Um, I was gay. I am still, but I was, but in the in the show's description, we mentioned that the show itself would be diverse. And I said, I'm going to feel really awkward pitching the show with this team, which doesn't reflect the show. And an executive pointed at me and said, "But Hamish, you're diverse." And I was like, hey, one person can't be diverse. Two, it's not really what diversity is. Two, I'm not. <laughs> um, and it's that thing. It's just that they, they think I, every year there's like some drive to get diversity and fix the problem. And it's always the bare minimum. It's always like, well, we gave one woman a like script to write. We fixed it. We did it. And like... No. <laughs> and it's like it, the job, the work's never done. And it's not necessarily, it, it, it's at every stage of the whole industry. And, you know, it's, that's just the only thing. I don't like, I, the word diversity is obviously very important, but just when it gets used as a like off on switch, like either we've got diversity, or we haven't. And like what that line is that people feel like is when they've crossed it. Like what, like, where is that? Um, and their reasons for doing it. There's like a lot of things that go into that topic, but like it is a way to um, improve the industry as well. Nathan? Yeah, I think just to echo what Hamish said, I think, yeah, the fact, the idea of having diversity, it's good just for diversity's sake and good if it makes you look good, but actually it does often improve the work because a lot of the work I do is in marketing and marketing often slips on the diversity front and it 
reflecting their output and actually having a diverse room or a black voice where they can flag, don't do this, it'll get a bad reaction, don't do this. It actually helps improve your work. And also diversity of people brings in a diversity of like ideas and diversity of sources that you can draw from. And I think that's a really important thing as well. But I think, I mean, I, th- I do think the industry doing better, obviously, uh, with these sort of things. There's organisations and statistics. I think it's all generally going in the right direction. And I think, I guess, where we go from there is just kind of like, are we doing everything to make these people feel, like, welcomed and feel part of this team? And there's there's no, like, policy to implement. It's just kind of like, are we being friendly and are we being nice? And I think we have to remember that some of these people, like, especially, like, young people have come from some of them have come from backgrounds where they haven't been accepted. They haven't been uh, been able to be who they are. And obviously that's not the fault of the companies. And that's not um, something that like, is obviously um, that they take on when they hire these people. But I think it's just a responsibility all of us hold to kind of, yeah, to make them feel like that's not going to happen here. You're like part of a, a working family or whatever it might be. Um and I think a lot of that change comes from the top down and just, yeah, like I said, there's no policy. It's just case being open and being mindful and uh, cementing when these people join, it's clear on arrival that they are, that they're welcoming the part of the team. I think it's just, yeah, sounding like a bit of a hippie, but like just be, just being nice to people. And I think that it, that does just play a massive part in it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think a lot of the discussion is kind of around diversity versus inclusion, uh, which is something that me and Tanya spoke about earlier this year on another podcast. The idea that if you're hiring for diversity only, then it doesn't necessarily mean that you're treating those people well or giving them positions where they can actually thrive and um, go up the chain rather than just trying to fulfill a quota. Uh, is there anything else anyone wanted to add on to that question about um what else could be done by studios or is everybody good to move on to the final question? Are you all good? There's probably more you can say, right? I mean, it's a big, it's a big topic. I think that's the thing. Like it's such a big conversation and I'm sure that there maybe there's a lot that, um, a lot that maybe you can't necessarily be spoken about or, um, yeah. Kat, would you like to go ahead? Yeah, it feels like such a big topic and it's hard to kind of talk about it all in like a short space of time. But um, one thing I think uh, from companies that I've worked at anyway, there's there's always an initiative. There's always like an LGBTQ society or pride club or whatever. Um, But it always ends up being a little bit kind of vapid because it will be like we'll have a bake club or we'll have a movie night and stuff like that. But it doesn't, I think really solve the problem because it kind of works where you know obviously it'll attract a lot of lgbtq people to join but it doesn't attract anyone else and so you kind of form this bubble and they feel like kind of other and separate from the rest of the um company and i think actually what i would really like to see those initiatives do is to maybe not make themselves so like like exclusive and kind of open the doors a little bit and kind of try to involve the whole company so that like people who maybe haven't been exposed to certain I don't know types of people or certain types of movies might actually have an opportunity to kind of embrace them and see that there is like more than their like potentially narrow worldview um yeah Ash 
Um, yeah, I just wanted to add to what Kat was saying because that's like a really good idea, is, is as in opening it up to not just the LGBTQ plus community, but making sure that other people come into that and are learning as well. And yeah, it, I think it'd be cool to have um, events where it's it's kind of educational for everyone. It's oh, here's here's this queer film or here's this queer topic we're going to discuss. Anyone that wants to come along, please do. And we can talk about this for everyone. And then it does, yeah, like it, like Kat was saying, it does give people a chance that haven't been exposed to those kind of themes or people to actually come and meet them and meet people in real life and be like, oh, they do exist. Like, I didn't realise this is how they look. This is how they sound. They're just kind of like me. I'm going to get rid of my prejudice <laughs> and learn a bit more from it and learn how to include them in like, you know, future jobs I'm in or future situations. That's an interesting idea. Um, I think as well, it sounds like a good one for people who don't necessarily identify as LGBTQ or maybe they do, but they're just in the kind of questioning uh, part of that uh, umbrella uh, in order to meet more people who are out because I, I know of a few people who aren't out in our industry. And I think if they're in spaces where they felt more comfortable, maybe they would, you know, be able to be open about their identities. Uh, and on the topic of talking about um, LGBTQ films, our last question is something that hopefully is a bit more um, lighthearted, but yeah, uh, it's um, about your favorite piece of LGBTQ rap and animation or what we'd like to see more of. I know in the UK, we don't have a whole lot right now, but um, yeah, just this is kind of a free for all. Talk about something that you've loved or hated. Just go for it. Who'd like to go first? Ash? Um, it's hard to choose one because there are like quite a few, I guess. Um, but I really loved Big Mouth because it was just very candid in talking about all of the crazy thoughts that you had as like a queer child <laughs> um, questioning, oh, is this right? Is this wrong? Like, should I be thinking that? Should I not? Um, especially Jay, um, who's um, bisexual in the show, but he doesn't know that yet. And he's kind of has these relationships with his pillows <laughs> and he's one of them is a female pillow. And then he's like, oh, but there's a male pillow and I also want to like be with the male pillow, but what does this mean? <laughs> and it's quite a fun, um, yeah, just very fun and candid view on your discovery, I think, um, which I really enjoyed as a show. I've not actually watched Big Mouth, so uh, that was quite an interesting dis <laughs> description. Um, that was great though, I'm glad that um, there's some good bisexual portrayal in that. Um, I think for myself, like, um, I actually can't talk, <laughs> well, um, this might be edited out, I guess. I I'm looking forward to when uh, Dead Enja comes out because that has, I, oh, I, you know, I have to say this because I'm working on it, but I do genuinely love the diversity on it because we've got a trans male character lead and there are no, I, I can't think of a single one in like um, animated shows uh, or even, I think I've, I can think of a few trans women characters, but not trans male characters. Um, yeah, so have you done anything else anybody has seen recently that, um, yeah, Nathan? Um, yeah, for me, I think it's, uh, it was a recent short film by Pixar called Out. Uh, it was recently released on Disney Plus, and it was, 
it was I lived for it. It was amazing. It's just about this kind of like young gay man. I think like it looks like about late twenties, and he just wanted to come out to his parents as he was moving in with his boyfriend, but he was too afraid. And it doesn't zoom in on the issues in this way that kind of um, makes it a big deal or kind of makes it off-putting or something that people would describe as inappropriate for children. It's not even really about. It's more just about communication with your parents and having that relationship and um yeah i won't spoil it but like there's like there's there's body switching with animals and it's really it's just fun and it's um it's really cool as well as that it does a nice play i think on gender stereotypes in terms of how the main characters and how the parents are portrayed um which is yeah really nice um i think more than anything i just want to see more of that um specifically in like CG animation. And I think we get these kind of extra flamboyant glee type representations a lot. And uh, this was not that at all. And it was uh, much more real, it felt. And I think CG needs to kind of come a long way of like not being so commercially focused so that it can kind of open itself up to these smaller voices or more expressive types of animation um, that allow openness towards like LGBT voices. Um, yeah. Did anyone else have anything to add to that question? Kat? Yeah, I'd actually forgotten about Out. I loved that film. It was so nice. Um, there's actually also another Pixar one. It's not um, got any LGBTQ rep, but it's called Loop. And it's the main character is an autistic girl. Um, and that one's really sweet. I love that film. Um, but I'm actually... Even though I'm in animation, I have to say I don't watch that much animation outside of work. Um, I like, for example, I only just recently finished watching Steven Universe, um, which I loved um, and is a very good one. Um, I also watched Kippo recently, which is another one that I really like for rep. Um, but there's, I've noticed that the rep, the representation tends to be mostly in two D. In traditional animated things, in 3D animation, it's very limited, um, especially in CG features. Um, you know, all, all the projects that I've worked on up until now haven't really had any. Um, yeah, and it's been kind of a bit lame. So I'm really looking forward to when that changes. And I think it will change. Um, for example, I think like Pixar kind of trying out things in their shorts is kind of them seeing what what works and what doesn't and what they can kind of get away with and not lose their market. Cause I think that's the main thing. I think studios fear losing um, money based on what they put in their movies. So hopefully they'll see that they're not going to lose any interest by putting these characters in. Um, I'm looking forward to that day. Yeah. Is it, oh, it's a shame that um, it feels like, things have to be proven to work before uh, executives will take a risk. And I understand it, but um, yeah, and there's so much more queer representation that I feel could be in animation that um, and it needs to catch up with live action, which I think is having more and more of representation too. Hamish? Well, I don't think I would have any rights if it wasn't for the Cyclops cop from onward. Like that like gave us marriage equality, um, that ambiguous. I had forgotten about her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was fine. I think one of the things I get, I think I get a bit bugged by is 
the like promotional tour patting on the back that happens and then you see the film and it's a throwaway line that gets dubbed differently in different countries to erase it and it's like okay i feel super represented i think everyone remembers the exclusively gay moment and uh beauty and the beast that i'm i'm still like feeding off of in terms of representation like it was such a banquet um <laughs> it's a very interesting actually that we've talking like it's hard to choose one like example because i actually did an lgbtq um representation animation panel about four or five years ago like very not long ago at all and the only like canonical thing we could really mention was that bmo from adventure time used they them pronouns there was like nothing i don't think that steven universe had like aired uh any of the show, other shows I mentioned. Um, it's interesting watching Nickelodeon now, like put up pictures of Cora when it's Pride Month. It's like, hey, it's our Pride character when they like canceled it for that moment uh, and then didn't even let it like have more of that. So it's it's this thing that I kind of, I, I find quite frustrating about the industry is that so much has changed in such a short amount of time, but none of the people who were like blocking this content have like taken accountability for like that no one sent around like an apology um that's like we were all trying to get this content out there but we were told no and then suddenly we're told yes because it's profitable and everyone else is like shown it's fine um that being said i uh i'm i i know it gets mentioned a lot and it's already been mentioned with steven universe um i Ruby and Sapphire mean a lot to me <laughs> um, just because they, I'm completely like Ruby. My husband's completely like Sapphire. And um, we, uh, it was nice to show a relationship um, that's still developing and still has like learning and growing to do. And um, it was just like, I think about the Keystone Motel episode. Um, it's just like a good story about what relationships are like for kids it doesn't you know doesn't matter who the people involved in the relationship is but it obviously does um and i just i think also knowing now that like there's some distance from the show the amount of like fighting that rebecca sugar had to do and how um much pushback there was and how um i don't think it's really being said but the kind of implication that uh you know, the show got the show ended very shortly after they did as particular like um, gay wedding episode. Um, that you kind of it's not saying that it got cancelled that reason, but like certain things you can't do in episode one of a show, but you have to like earn and like get in while you're running out the door. Um, one thing I will talk a little bit about Dead India because <laughs> it's uh, I don't want to talk about. Um, myself necessarily, but it's an interesting experience about developing a show now, um, thanks to people like Rebecca and other showrunners who have like already had those battles and conversations and have since like made a very popular show that it, it's not affected things really. Because um, in my experience, I've not had to like fight necessarily. And um, something I think that Kipo did very well was that not only did it have um, some gay representation, but they actually like said the word gay and they 
it wasn't a metaphor for something as much as like Steven Universe. It's still like still dealing with aliens and magic and like uh, things that, if you are incredibly homophobic, can like argue is not real because it's they're all you know space aliens. So I liked that you use that word, and I liked that it was in its first season. It was like right out the gate. It wasn't like snuck in. It felt there. Uh, we're trying to do a similar thing with Dead India. Like we, like you said earlier, we have a trans lead character, um, voiced by a trans actor, written by trans writers, storyboarded by trans people. <laughs> um, and uh, it, the word trans is said very early on. It's very clear. It's not a reveal. Uh, it's not, you know, it, it, it's just there from the beginning. Because I think... Another thing is that you kind of, from an outside perspective, people sort of expect a coming out story, but not really a post coming out story or like characters to like exist beyond that. So in the context of our show, the coming out happened like a year ago off screen somewhere. It's like not part of the show. It's actually about his life. Um, So I think that's kind of what I'd like to see more of. And like where it's, it's just, um the the actual show is about like demons and ghosts it's not necessarily about any of that but it's just um these kinds of adventures can happen to anyone and uh i think we'll get it as much as like we say that there can be improvements and you said that live action is doing it well um something that i think animation is doing well is that we are getting to see representation in genre stuff like sci-fi and fantasy and adventure which i don't see so much in live action um so and i I know for a fact there's like so many shows in development right now like the conversations happening now are about the shows that are coming out in a year or two years time (laughs) and so we're gonna get a big wave of um Gay cartoon content. Kat? Yeah, I guess there's something to consider when we have these conversations because, like, for example, a movie takes, what, like four or five years to make? So, you know, the ideas that are being kind of funded now are the movies that we'll be seeing in five years' time. And potentially then we'll have moved on and there'll be other things that we kind of want to see and see represented in movies. But I definitely have hope that the fact that we're even having this conversation today means that there's people listening and that we'll see this happening like in the next three, four years or something. Yeah, it's definitely really exciting to think about um, how the landscape is changing, even if it's been a very slow process. um, There is change and I'm really excited for the future. I'm sure you guys are too. Uh, I think that's about does it for our panel. Thank you all so much for being here. And I hope that our listeners learned a lot and hopefully we'll be able to take something away. And if there any LGBTQ young people out there, then know that we're doing our best to improve the industry for you guys and hope that you have a great time when you get here. So thank you everyone. <laughs>